sick, drip with it. That's sick, hit it. I said minute, I'll admit it. Any minute, uh, I went ape shit. 0.08 kid. Cost spaces had them looking for the matrix, but it ain't there though. Nah, it ain't there though. Just me, myself, and Genie polishing the ground flow. Bagging unknown, then the court knows. Good slapping vibes, how that month go? Blue beams banging, pot of gold waiting. Data at rest, but the DM never patient. Try to put a deal together on a one way never street. Tell them I'm not selling, baby. Offers not a thing. Good month. <laughs> huh? What happened, bro? What bro. the fuck happened, bro? Please, please. Bro. I'm, With the I'm sense of everything that is good in the world, dude. Help us answer some questions today. Yo, I've been sitting in this throw of question marks for like nine days. And just yesterday, I get a throw, though. What happened on top of it? Wow. You're, you're sitting in an SPF row. What'd you say? Frizzly, Frizzly Strip that fro. man of the acronyms, man. He is basic Sam at this He's point. He's basic Sam. You are wearing a basic Sam Frizzly fro of question marks, dude. And I got questions for days, dude. I think everybody has questions, dude. How did this happen? How did we get here? How did one of the biggest... Crypto exchanges in the world completely fall flat on its face and file bankruptcy so fast, dude. So how did the fast. how did the bear market go grizzly? How did it happen? How did the bear market grow claws, man? That's what I'm talking about. What happened? And I, we're here to dig into it. Yeah, we're gonna get into it. But before we do, I think we need to like go through Webster's Dictionary here and define a few kind of key terms that are revolving, swirling around this like fucking crazy phenomenon that happened here. First of all, dude, like, do you know, Good Month, what is effective altruism? Effective altruism. I did. I learned what effective altruism was. I knew what altruism was. Effective altruism. I was so confused, man. I saw it roaming around Twitter. I saw people talking about it. And like, what is effective altruism? What is that word trying to describe? It boils down to lobbying. I love millennials. I'm a millennial because we're so good at rebranding. We rebranded the word lobbying to call it effective altruism. And if anybody wants to debate that, my line is open. It's 1-800-420-6969. You call that hotline and I will debate that for days. <laughs> 420 We got the good facts. Let's fucking go. All right. So effective altruism is the millennials uh rebranding of lobbying 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 okay. yeah and and to break that down even even more importantly like i think it's important for people to understand that there is like when you work in the public markets i have worked on a department of defense contract before and it blew my mind coming from the private space to the public space there is no collusion allowed which when we're in the business space we go out to drinks, we, you know, we do things with clients, client entertainment, you buy them dinner, you don't think anything of it. You actually can't do that with a government official. So there's this lane at which companies throw profits to something that they can uh, basically pump the bags of their interests and it's called lobbying. And it's no different than what we're calling effective altruism. So effective altruism 
if I understand, in the context of FTX, was they were going to come up with a way that after they printed this internet money, that they were going to use this internet money for different kinds of causes that they thought were important. And it looks like being that they were the second biggest donor to the Democratic Party, that they felt that crypto regulation was a cause that they just couldn't avoid. And in order to do this, in order to make those contributions, they needed to create kind of like a, a subdivision, uh, another company, and that company was Alameda Research, dude. So what do you know about Alameda Research? Alameda started as an arbitrage business, and that sounds like an it's a legal thing, but it's not. There are quantitative firms that make their money off arbitrage. Arbitrage sim simply means you buy an asset or something at a lower cost than what you sell it at. And typically it's across markets. So it means in this case, Alameda Research was funded all of that spread that created that venture firm, which leads us to where we are today, was due to arbitrage. Buying Bitcoin for cheaper in the States, selling it at premiums in the Taiwanese, and I believe um, the South Korean markets. I, I need to be fact-checked on that. But uh, that is where the premiums were being made on Alameda Research, and that's where the quantitative firm got its foothold. So they have FTX, Centralized Crypto Exchange, signing all kinds of amazing partnership deals, dude. Like really taking over the game, right? Like the run up from zero to where they were at was very fast and it involved like major deal making. Dude. Tom Brady, Stephen Curry, Shaquille O'Neal, all the biggest possible, possible influencers in the game were brought to the table to really like help the growth of this frankly, like celebrated company, dude, FTX, like we can see here right now and we can pile on that. But like up until this point, it was cheerleading. It was deal making. It was celebrities. It was lobbying. And a lot of elbows were rubbed with politicians leading towards what looks like inevitably crypto regulation. So in Alameda such a short research. time frame, I think people need to realize that. Like you hit on that slightly, but you know, to be a crypto exchange, to be the number two crypto exchange and working with the government on regulations and lobbying, not a bad thing. However, doing that when you are a three-year-old company is wild. Not to mention the age of the CEO. Like I don't even want to throw that out there. I'm around that age, right? I'm. I, I would be. I would be. Hiring someone uh, older than me that's seen the times, right? Now they got Mr. Ray taking them over. But uh, yeah, you know this what I mean? is where I... we start to see some cracks like in the concrete mm -hmm. here, dude. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, let's take a look at Alameda Research. And when we do, we see that the CEO goes by the name of Carolyn Ellison. She's a Stanford math graduate, you know, apparently like very smart, but she's only like 28 years old. And only has a few years of experience. So that's question number one. Can you justify somebody with her level of experience, with her background, being the CEO of a multi-billion dollar business that is 
pushing crypto regulation and lobbying and all of this. Can you justify that at all? I'm not going to fade smart people. I'm not going to fade people who are bullish. If you're bullish and you're smart, you can do a lot of things. And most, most importantly, you can put yourself in a position to get lucky. So I'm not going to say that she and the whole entourage that set up Alameda and then moved on to FTX, I'm not going to say that they were doomed from the beginning because they could have gotten lucky. They had a ton of resources from their parents and also at their will that they could have called on. So we very much, we very likely could have seen whoa, young whoa, people whoa, get whoa. very lucky. Did you say, did you say parents? Parents. Did you say parents? Bro. Parents. Are, are the parents, what do the parents have to do with this? Sam Bankman Fried's two, his parents, you know, Mr. Bankman and Mrs. Fried? They Tell me. are- Illuminate us, dude. Illuminate us. They, they, are, they are big deals in the law department at Stanford. Good old uh, Barbara Fried. She's been dealing. She's she's high up on the campaign trail for political parties. Like these kids did not come out of these, you know, modest homes with modest parent pedigrees and just show up thirty years old running the number two big, biggest exchange. But the the biggest deal is that this thing was three years old. This exchange it came up out of nothing and it rose yes. to the top. It's insane. And also. You know, when we're talking about parents, you know, we we, all, we, can, we should also take a look at Carolyn Ellison's dad, Glenn Ellison, who is the head of economics at MIT, at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the place that Sam Bankman-Fried went to school, and the place that another one of our friends happened to teach some crypto classes at, and that's SEC Chair Gary Ginsler. So, Uncle Gary. <laughs> Uncle Gary. Uncle Gary's there. He's teaching crypto. You know, Glenn Ellison, his daughter is taking over as a CEO of Alameda Research. SBS parents, they're Stanford law professors, big lobbyists, very politically active, and maybe responsible for a little bit of this like effective altruism mentality that's behind here. So my question again, dude, is yeah. with all of the education in the room, all of the experience in the room, a family tree that really is at like the brinks of education and economic theory and law, how can FTX possibly be operating without a board of directors? Like I'll get to your board of director question here in a minute, but I think that, you know, looking at this situation, they had everything in their favor to get lucky. So I'm not going to fade someone young, someone with enough intelligence, enough bullishness in the network they had to ever be successful again. I think they definitely could have been successful, but their miss was on the board, man. Their miss was the fact that a 28-year-old person, I don't care if they're the smartest person known to mankind. I don't care if this 28-year-old was outproofing Albert Einstein at his age to this age of 28. The fact of the matter is time and place. This 28-year-old person wasn't even old enough to make it through a bear, wasn't even old enough to see quantitative reactions and psychology when things hit the fan. You can read about those in books all you want. You can read about the bank runs of the Depression. You can read about the crash in the 80s. You can read about the dot-com boom. You could read about 
the mortgage-backed crisis in 08. But until you sit and see psychology unravel in your face, until you see stone-cold, diamond-handed people that just think it's the way it is, and you watch them capitulate, yeah, you experience know. matters. Experience matters. But like, what's interesting is there is FTX US derivatives, and FTX US derivatives was previously called Ledger X. And in October of 21, uh, FTX acquired a majority of the shares there. And, you know, they're responsible for the futures trading in the United States. And they, let me tell you what they have. Let me tell you what FTX US derivatives, the subsidiary of FTX, who's not named in this bankruptcy filing. Let me tell you what they have. They have a board of directors. And they have a very impressive list of experienced people who have years and years of experience in, in futures trading and commodities trading and human resource and tech. And the list goes on and on and on. And they got people that just, know they can go to jail. That's what they have. They have people that know their fiduciary responsibility and can wind up in the pen. That's what they have. That's right. Fiduciary responsibility, compliance. I don't know how to explain it. I got a lot of question marks here, but FTX did not employ these basic and important measures that are important to run a business at these levels. So let's take a step back from this a little bit and go back to like how this unfolded, when this unfolded. And interestingly, like a lot of this unfolded in front of our face on Twitter. And so that's an interesting thing about Web3. You know, it looks like Twitter owned by Elon Musk and Associates. And interestingly, with a $500 million investment from our friend CZ at Binance, like, you know, there's just a lot going on here. Um, they have become like the center of Web3 communication. And what's interesting with Web3 is that leaders of businesses, executives, founders, directors, they take to Twitter on a very like proactive basis and communicate like what's going on and share their thoughts. And I'm bullish about that with Web3. And uh, one example of this is with CZ, the founder or lead executive at Binance. So on November 6th, and Hazy B, if you can bring up these tweets from CZ, um, he says, as part of Binance's exit from FTX equity last year, Binance received roughly 2.1 billion USD equivalent in cash, BUSD and FTT. Due to recent revelations that have came to light, we have decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books. Good month. What is FTT and why is FTT so important in this equation right now? F FTT is the FTX trading token. And it's the trading token that had a great utility. It was exactly what cryptocurrency is designed to do. Give currency a niche and single dimension um, focus a single dimension utility for how currencies can 
be prevalent, how they can be re relevant and how they can be held by communities and communities need to, them to have certain privileges and values, right? These type of tokens are used in place of um, buying subscription services or buying subscription licenses. Instead, you hold the token, the token then gets added value as demand accrues over the top of it. The FTT token in its most general basis of what that token's utility was intended to be was a good, smart token. Then it, it got was, dumb it real fast. It got dumb. It was, it, look, it was a successful token. It was a successful part of this equation. And it just so happened that like CZ as one of the investors in the FTX was holding, you know, they, they were holding $2.1 billion. He took to Twitter and he basically said, I'm going to dump FTT. He said, and we know why he FTT. got it, right? He, we know why he hold, he held the FTT because he asked to be bought out of his investor shares as FTX rose to be Binance's number one competitor. They were an early investor in 2019, along with Ding, which we'll talk about maybe here in a minute, our boy, Dingling. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying that CZ along with Ding, Dingling, Dingling, the NFT whale, the guy that owns every number one NFT top shot moment, the one that just has a big vault of apes and azukis and all. What does Dingling have to do with any of this? The Australian that loves basketball, we find out he is ex-Binance or she, they are ex-Binance. And on the early investment papers, when it comes down to the cap table, it was Chang, Pang, Poppy, and Ding. CZ and Dingaling. Early Binance folks. Oh boy, that's juicy. That's juicy. So it's juicy. So he, in, in, in the kind of the middle of all this, over the last couple of weeks, what's gone under the radar that he's been doxxed. Is that the case? He's been he, Our guy, he's Dingley? Been, he's been doxxed to a degree, right? No facial images or imagery coming out. So there's no kind of tie to any kind of uh, personal identification, except for the fact that just some details of, his, of their background. They're Australian. They love basketball, hence the top shot side of the things. But a new piece of evidence and I shouldn't say evidence, that sounds incriminating, but a new piece of the story is that Ding is an ex-Binance employee. Now, aside from all the other information that come out, came out, I don't think we should talk about any of that because I, I frankly don't think it's rooted in any truth. I'm going to go off of the details that came out from NFT ethics and that were verified by Dingling themselves. Um, by Dingling the details themselves. Which, which are the details that I just went over. And I think the biggest, the, the biggest news that we can take out of that doxing is that Ding is indeed the Ding that was ex-Binance and was on the cap table for a pretty large percentage of FTX. And why this is important, I'm not trying to sleuth on Ding. I love Ding to death. Ding is the whalest of whales, the diamond of the reef. If there were diamonds in the ocean that a whale knew about, it is Ding. I pray to Ding. I love Ding. I'm not going to fade Ding. I am going to tell you one thing about Ding. Ding capitulated some ape for the first time in a time when you shouldn't capitulate ape. I hope Ding's okay. I really do. I hope Ding 
isn't banged up in this FTX deal too bad, but there, there are FTX ties with regard to Binance and there was ape capitulated is here on EtherScan. Ding, I hope you're good. But this I've is never facts. seen, I, I've never seen Dingaling capitulate anything. This guy nope. is the most diamond handed collector in the game. It's claimed 1.4 ape. Wow. And some of that got dumped. I mean, it could have been just been like he knew what was going to happen. It was going to go down. Ape coin took a hit. A lot of things took a hit. And that kind of really like what set that off is CZ, you know, coming out and saying that he's going to have to dump his FTT because he was becoming aware of the insolvency situation with FTX. Let me ask you something. Do you think that CZ should be taking to Twitter and saying that we've decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books? I mean, do you think that that's... Absolutely, Absolutely not. And I think, you know, CZ, CZ walked off walked off this one pretty easy, right? He, CZ got a little bit of a reputation of being a slayer, like being a, a, a scam slayer. Uh, shall we call the Sam Slayer? I'm not sure yet, but like... But like Changpeng Poppy got a lot of cred in this call. And to be honest, you know, if you tweet about these things, I mean, Elon, Elon got fined massive amounts and he got his hands slapped on the board when he was tweeting about Tesla's price. And this was, you know, three, four years ago. So you, you cannot tweet about a security. However, this, this begs the question of regulation in the crypto space. Is that because crypto lacks those regulations, you know, the the lines are blurred. But I think it's I think the fact that, you know, Kim Kardashian got got hit so hard with her um Emacs. financial advice of Emacs, which was a, a scam token, right. um, and she promoted it, she got hit by the SEC with security logic behind it and i think you know cz shouldn't should not have taken to twitter to do that but they people crypto twitter people don't understand that crypto twitter is where everything happens like you can't follow crypto twitter with a newsletter you can't follow crypto right. news on pr publications because it all happens on on chain. There's always the salutes. And when when CZ says he's gonna dump his token or thinks he's gonna sell, everyone just sees a whale's about to drop the bag and no one wants to catch the falling knife. Instead, people start throwing knives right in the bag. Oh so, man. Woo, tell me. He caused the bank run. FTT went plummeting down. And just like you said, he caused a bank run and everybody started withdrawing their money from FTX. Um, about $5 billion was, was withdrawn on that Sunday. You know, he goes on to say, regarding any speculation as to whether this is a move against a competitor, it is not. Our, our industry is in its nascency and every time a project publicly fails, it hurts every user and every platform. So he's saying, you know, this was not a move against FTX. I don't know. It seems to me like there is some animosity. There is some animosity. Do you think that there was animosity between CZ and Sam? How could there not be? It's your, it's your number one competitor. How, I mean, if you're a true competitor, 
you can game recognizes game, but you want to see your competitor dead in the dirt. So you kind of mentioned that like CZ has a certain type of reputation for being a slayer. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, can you dig into that, unpack that a little bit more? I mean, people think that this was just complete war strategy. I mean, beyond business strategy, people saw this as like a general patent move. People saw this as, you know, G, you know, G, G, it, and game over. So there, you know, the first couple of days was like, it was less of the mismanagement talk of FTX. And it was more of the God mode of Chang Pang Poppy, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, so talking is, CZ. This is his own words. Also on 11.6. Liquidating our FTT is just post-exit risk management. Learning from Luna. We gave support before, but we won't pretend to make love after divorce. We are not against anyone but we won't support people who lobby against other industry players behind their backs onwards. And Sam made a bad, Sam made a bad move with CZ somewhere. Now, even if Sam never said anything bad about CZ, right? There's something Sam didn't say good about CZ. And I think that's important to know is that when you are Sam and you are footing a half a B in lobbying, which by the way, I just want to clear up. There's nothing wrong with lobbying for your interests at that level of a company like Google, Apple, Amazon, they spend massive amounts of money in lobbying. It's industries, it's a tall tale strategy. So there's, you know, FTX gets a lot of shade for lobbying, and I don't agree with that at all. Lobbying is what's needed to, to pump your interest, especially in a nascent industry like crypto. However, the thing is, is that if you are lobbying, you have a voice and you have power on the inside. And if you are lobbying for a cause, but not pulling up the industry alongside of you, mm. You step in mud. And so, so think, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't think, I think this, this tweet, dude, like, this is this guy's own words. In his own words, at a time when this causes a bank run on FTX, it didn't cause their insolvency, but it accelerated the process of their insolvency those last few days that happened very quickly. They Facts. dropped the FTT token, and he says... Don't move behind my back lobbying things that are not good for industry peers. Okay. CZ's tweet, that tweet was that tweet was manufactured to be the biggest trust building tweet of this industry. Hmm. So moving forward, uh, we get a follow-up tweet from CZ uh, a couple days later on 11 8. And he says, this afternoon, FTX asked for our help. There is a significant liquidity crunch. To protect users, we signed a non-binding LOI intending to fully acquire FTX.com and help cover the liquidity crunch. We will be conducting a full DD in the coming days. So 
Yeah, the minute I saw this tweet, I could tell you the deal wasn't going through. Oh, so he's saying, yeah. Look at the language. Look at the language. Non-binding LOI, pending DD. You know how long DD takes? True DD to find a valuation? It doesn't take 24 hours, boss. This, no. No. this guy did his DD from the outside. And I do want to say this is a bull case for crypto, for on-chain assets, for that reason, is that CZ was on the inside. He was an investor prior to, and then he became a whale holder of this FTT token, which ended up being the Achilles heel of this entire situation, was the FTT token for how it was leveraged, which we'll get into the assets and liabilities of Alameda. But the point of that tweet was not to save FDX. The point of that tweet was to announce that Sam had surrendered before Sam tried to announce that he didn't surrender. Yeah. And in fact, that's something very interesting that you're saying. You're saying he had already done his DD because it's on chain. And if you know what you're looking at, you can figure this out. He already knew. He already knew what was happening. And this was just a final freaking blow. Sam reached out to me for help. Right. Uncle CZ, friendly Uncle CZ is going to help. Now, interesting, interestingly, this actually caused like um, a reversal of the dumping. And momentarily, it, it, it caused a big bounce. And Sam really leaned into that, too. He was like, yeah, we're working with CZ. We're going to try to come to a resolution. There was no chance of a resolution. And so, you know, when when you use language like that on Twitter, like basically maybe this is going to be okay. It softens up the situation. You get a bull run. And you know what that is? That's an exit pump, ladies and gentlemen. That's an exit pump. Let me exit some more liquidity to close the gap here because the gap is wide. There was some people saying it was $8 billion. It ended up to be $9.4 billion. What happened to the $9.4 billion? Like, can it be possible that these guys lost the $9.4 billion doing quantitative training? I thought these trading, I thought that these computer algorithms were supposed to be smart, dude. What happened to the $9.4 billion? Do you, what do you pontificate happened with the $9.4 billion? I, I truly think that the 9.4 billion would be okay if it didn't have the basis of the FTT token as its main asset to support it. The, the FTT token allegedly, I'll throw it out there, like allegedly had a 6B, like a 6B asset under management valuation for Alameda Research and their liabilities were 7B and they had 12B under management. So the liabilities alone were higher than the assets under management if you exclude the FTT token. So when CZ starts tweeting that he's gonna dump FTT token because it's not good for the industry, because he's pointing out the flaws that the FTT token is fraught with, which we'll go into what it was fraught with, people started selling. They started creating a bank run. When there's immense amount of sell pressure, there's no buy pressure, 
and the tokens aren't distributed evenly and nearly one-to-one, that creates a crater. That crater saw six Bs, allegedly, that crater saw six Bs, allegedly 50% of the assets on management drop to nearly zero. Therefore, that left over six Bs in true assets and seven Bs in liabilities. Seven minus six is one, that's a B in debt, baby. Yeah, so they had their books filled with FTT and apparently they were using this FTT as, you know, to, to get loans and just collateralize and just getting carried away with this utility token. Is this what you're supposed to do with the utility token? Is it healthy to like have like your utility token be one of the main assets on your books? Like help me understand that. No way. And when you go like, let's take Yuga Labs, for example, like Yuga Labs has a plan to distribute the ape token and it wasn't fully distribute, distributed when it came out. That's the reason why we saw the run up up to the other side launch with, with ApeCoin. There was only percentage of it that had been allocated at the time. It wasn't fully diluted. The rest is diluted on time-based distributions due to lockups. Now, this is good because it helps the ApeCoin naturally distribute. And I actually think Yuga Labs, for example, has done a phenomenal job of putting use cases out there that makes the currency of ApeCoin have great utility. You can buy merch with it. You can buy other NFTs with it. You can interact with it with the Gucci store. You know, they're going to have more and more brand activations for what you get to use that currency for. And that's important. Because that's how it continues changing hands and how it continues circulating. And Yuga is actually very good at creating those use cases ahead of ApeCoin supply being unlocked. If Yuga Labs ever starts to leverage and loan and provi basically provide equity into other companies or use use loans from apecoin that is locked up as an asset you got to sell the bag yeah that would be uh irresponsible irresponsible the reason a currency holds its value is distribution and circulation period if it's not distributed evenly or healthy then you're going to crater at any type of instability. All right. So this kind of brings us up to like where we're at today. Okay. Sam you know, filed bankruptcy. So ironically, another interesting point here is that uh, FTX has now enlisted the quote help of Mr. Ray, who previously basically you know, organize the bankruptcy filing of Enron. You know, you can't make this up, dude. So Mr. Ray's involved. Here we are. They're going bankrupt. And, they got and, and let's get real with this. Organizing this bankruptcy filing is no different than saying burying the bones. Burying the bones. Absolutely, dude. You know, so so Sam is in the Bahamas. Uh, you know, he's tweeting like weird stuff. 
what H and then A and then P. I mean, what's your take on that, man? Like, what happened? What's he doing with this tweet? Is he just trying to, like, you know, plead insanity? Is he trying to send us a message? Does he want to tell a story? Like, what's going on? I mean, it was the first. I'm glad. I'm glad that he tweeted the what and then the the happened because it really just like first of all, it just kicked my brain over into the into the thought process that I think he he you know if it wasn't clear before, I I, I think he's has a little sociopathic tendencies right now. I mean, this is this is equivalent to you know. I mean, I hate to go there, but this is like if you're a serial killer and you like come back and check on the bodies, you know, like this is like this. This is like if you take a step back to see what you did. I just I mean, I don't know, man. This is not he needs to he a rational person who knows they made a mistake. They take time away. They go away. They they go silent. They let their lawyer do the talking. They they come back and face the music at a later day in public, but they face the music privately with themselves. This is pure engagement farming right now. And frankly, I think it's unacceptable. I had a little bit of empathy for him when this went down because I thought he's a 30-year-old kid with a lot of resources around him. And he had an opportunity to get lucky with all the things he did, but he flew too close to the sun. This is an Icarus moment. And that's why I don't use the acro- acronyms anymore. He's Sam, and I put on SPF on my face to plan for any time I were to ever get that close to the sun. But I'm not going to throw that B there ever again because he doesn't deserve the acronym anymore. And that's okay at the moment. But coming, in, coming into this a little bit more and watching him handle things on a public network, it's, it, it's wrong, right? This is wrong. This is... This is as if the CEO of Enron, Enron were to have a platform like Twitter to pop open and talk when he psyops everyone's pension funds for years. This is if Bernie Madoff had a platform to come up on Twitter and talk about yeah. the fake book that he built. He doesn't, you know... Well, he's, free speech is okay. free speech is free speech, but this is but this is a moment where it's it's tone deaf and it's and it's not good. Yeah, well, he, he I think that's a reasonable conclu- conclusion is that he's sick, but like the question is, you know, is, is that psyops? You know, like is he trying to act now like he's out of control for like later? to plead that he was like out of control and this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, like there wasn't the right people around him. There wasn't the right compliance. There wasn't the right experience, but like, that's what we're being told, you know, like I'm not ruling out right now that there's more to this. And there were other people pulling some of these levers. Like I'm just not going to rule that out because we don't have enough facts. I don't want to sound like conspiracy theorists, but like, there's a lot of missing information here. Something else that happened that's pretty interesting is that CZ did an AMA. Um, he went on Twitter. He did a Twitter Spaces. Again, pretty interesting for Web3. Like, this is bullish for Web3, dude. That, like, somebody's going to do, like, a AMA at this critical time. The leader 
uh, of one of the biggest companies in the industry, getting in front of people and just kind of like talking through his thoughts. And, you know, he did a lot of, uh, you know, he put out a lot of information that kind of reaffirms that finance is a good position, that they're safe, that they have your funds, um, a, a lot of this. Uh, but something like a couple of like pretty interesting things that he said, like at the very, very end of the AMA, somebody asked him a question about like the future of centralized exchanges, uh, because kind of like a big takeaway here was like the biggest messaging was not your keys, not your crypto, you know, get your money off of centralized exchanges. We saw uh, billions of dollars transacting through Uniswap and so on. And like the, the messaging is like, get your money off of central exchanges. So somebody asked him, you know, about the future of centralized exchanges as it relates to Binance. And he said something very interesting. He said the end game for Binance is not centralized exchanges. The end game is DeFi. And I uh, think yeah, like that, a market maker, like a market, a market maker of DeFi. What do you think he means by that? Like when he says the future is DeFi, like what do you, what do you what do you think he means by that? Because I'm kind of baffled. I think on change the new mattress. I mean, people, people, like if I were trying to start a crypto wallet right now, you're calling it mattress. Like I was just having lunch with some buddies the other day, and I said that, and they, 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 I mean, they just went right to that. They're like, yeah, a crypto wallet called mattress. That's the move right now because people we're, we're in a position right now where people are hedging against fiat due to inflation. They're going into something that is net new and has growth. And now this, these custodies that they don't control are locking it up. So on chain is the new mattress, just like the mattress was, we all knew where people's money was. It was in the mattress. Where's the mattress. It's in the bedroom. Where's the person live on down bad app. We knew it all right. We, it's the same thing now. It's like, where's the money? It's an on-chain wallet. Where's the wallet? It's on Etherscan. It's on whatever chain you're using. But to your point, he has to say that. CZ has to say that. He just pulled the thread on the biggest centralized exchange champ since Mt. Gox. He can't swim uphill. And he hasn't. If you've noticed his tweets just recently, he announces the trust wallet. Connect. The trust wallet. The mattress. The, trust, the money's the in mattress. the mattress. <laughs> the money's in the mattress. He just the other day announced the trust wallet Chrome extension, which right. if those of you who don't know in the tech space, making your application be a Chrome extension is one of the stickiest things you can do. People don't delete Chrome extensions unless they don't have a need for Chrome extensions. Facts. But facts. They don't delete Chrome extensions. And the fact that Binance didn't have this already shocked me. The fact they announced it now doesn't. Why? On-chain is the next mattress. I immediately knew that they were going to start moving people from their centralized exchange to an on-chain wallet. Why? Because they just defrauded the biggest centralized exchange since Mt. Gox. Okay. So let me ask you, right? Because that's a, I think that's a really well put way to look at it, right? It's all about on chain. 
It's really not about the centralized exchanges. Uh, he Binance continues to make investments in all kinds of different aspects of the industry, including the trust wallet. Um, but, but like, where does this leave regulation, right? Like, this was all leading towards, see, see my kind of argument here is that the regulators were already teed up. Gary and the boys were already teed up and they were working with Sam on some crypto policy. Like this is fact, dude. Sam was part of like the think tank on like crypto regulation policy and maybe thinking about a set of standards. And these guys were teed up with this because of Luna, right? Like Luna's fall was all the ammunition necessary to like really push crypto regulation over the line. And this situation, though, has to kind of like make you back off a little bit because you're thinking, wait a second, this fraudster, this guy that lost all of our money, that defrauded so many people, that left this major blemish on the crypto industry, was helping write crypto policy. I mean, he was he was working with regulators. He was donating to the party, like, you know, does that actually, to me, sounds like it should be like a setback for crypto regulation. It's so kind of I a think it's a two. Sword. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I don't know if we're saying the same thing of it being a double-edged sword or it being talking out two sides of the mouse. Like, I don't know how those two different analogies map up, but the, the, the you know, I kind of look at it as talking out two sides of the mouth. You got the centralized exchange, Gary and the boys, they have a case more than ever for regulation. It's, they, they looked the other way for a long time. The euphoria run of 2020, they were looking the other way. They, they didn't want to shut it down. They let it run. They're, they could have easily sanctioned that. They could have put an end to that so fast. There's a reason why they didn't want to put an end to it. And I don't have the answer for why. But all I knew is that they were nodding to people to get under that curtain. It's still, here it is. Get under. We're not saying no. Make a run. Let right? me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Sorry to interrupt. Does it look like, looking back, that like the fall of Luna was like an orchestrated attack? We know that we know the Luna crash was an orchestrated attack. We know that FTX was an orchestrated attack. Okay, CZ. let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Okay, so we know that Luna was an orchestrated attack. Do we know who was behind the orchestrated attack? We don't. We don't. We, we never do have. know. You know. Now we know that. Why don't you clarify that you, you say that you know that FTX was an orchestrated attack? Why don't you? Because that was kind of a bold statement there. Maybe I led you into that. Maybe I led you into that. But, but what, I mean, what do you see, mean by that? It goes back to him being the scam slayer. I mean, CZ single-handedly led. He, his tweet was the shot heard around the world on this thing. His tweet of dumping the token caused the bank run. Period. I agree with this. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying that CZ I don't think CZ should have done that, but I'm not saying that it's CZ's fault. The fault 
was in the rot of the system of FTX. The fault was in the over-leveraged Alameda Research backing FTX that was high off its own smoke of the FTT token and mismanaged. That's the fault, the cause. All right, I'm gonna have to do it. Security attacks, there's something called a kill chain. When you make a cyber weapon and you tool a cyber weapon, that is a piece of the kill chain. The kill chain starts with discovery and recon, and then it gets into weaponizing, triggering, and exploiting. CZ did his recon. He knew the system was fraught. He gathered the intel. He knew where his footholds were to then find what he could weaponize. What did he weaponize? He weaponized the vulnerability of the FTT token and the tie that FTX had strung up itself with, with that FTT token. What was the trigger? The tweet. What was the exploit? The bank run. And then he, what does he do next? He says, you know, there needs to be accountability for user funds, which I agree with. He says that the centralized exchanges, they should have user deposits. They should have those funds backed one-to-one or something close to it. And I agree with that. Who wouldn't agree with this, right? And he, he recommends that the industry, they move towards doing Merkle tree analysis, okay? So like a Merkle tree is like a cryptographic exercise that shows the commitments that you have on chain. It shows where the money is and it essentially is proof of reserves. So the way that you do proof of reserves is by doing a Merkle tree. He recommends that everybody do a Merkle tree. Then when there's some kind of like questionable movements of funds between crypto.com and somebody else, like he points that out. He doesn't specifically says, say it, but he tweets it out again. Like, hey, like borrowing money is not the same thing as like proof of reserves. And then that causes a bank run on crypto.com. And Kronos token, their utility token, dumps big time. So it's like warning shot after warning shot. And ultimately, like, thank you for kind of like walking us through kill chain. Like, I do think that these utility tokens and what these tweets and what's happening is being weaponized. I do think that CZ... Uh, definitely did not appreciate what Sam was doing in terms of crypto regulation and whatever he was saying to the regulators, probably good planning to make it hard for harder for DeFi. Or um, not saying. Or not saying. And so like this was a type of digital war, uh, business war. These are antics that are kind of unfolding in front of us. So like... Here, here we are now. I mean, so you asked the question. You asked the question of the organized attack of Luna, right? Yes, I did and, ask that question. And I, it was one hundred percent an organized and orchestrated attack. Same type of kill chain layout. We don't know who it was. So the kill chain, and we don't know who was behind it on Luna took place. And my argument to kind of fill in the gaps here is that taking down Luna is all that was needed in order to really push 
regulation over the line. I think that on the back of that, SBF, FTX, and their efforts to like lobby towards regulation were going to be accelerated and like propped up by what happened to Luna. And we don't know exactly who was behind Luna. And I, you know, I don't know, like, but I have my, you know, I have my uh, concerns about that. But what we do know is CZ, he didn't like what Sam was doing. And he did play a big role in activating the kill chain on what happened to FTX. And so the question is, like, where does this leave crypto regulation? So I think that the Luna thing, Luna and Three Arrows Capital, that crash that happened in April was a big deal because they had exposure to the FTT token. And FTX actually, you know, isn't omitted from the Luna and or 3AC situation because FTX saved them, like saved them, basically bought, you know, provided capital on bad bets because they had exposure to the FTT token. So FTX did, you know, usurp more of their supply up with those, with, with those type of uh, bailouts, if you will. But to your question, crypto is going to be heavily regulated now. It's unacceptable, much like the Dodd-Frank regulation. You familiar with Dodd Frank? Walk us through it, champ. Dodd Dodd Frank, D O D D, and Frank. Not our D gods, Frank, but Dodd Frank is the regulation that got put in place that basically was to prevent the mortgage bundling and creating risky assets of mortgages, so that 08 never could happen again. This this FTX thing, we've almost said too many words, honestly. On this podcast, because FTX is the OA crash of mortgages, period. They were the central bank that was bundling and they bundled everything in their damn token. So let's let's just kind of like dig into that. Right. So the OA housing market crash was basically in part caused by people taking assets, bundling them, creating synthetic derivatives that other people can then invest in. And there was a lot of other things that went on with the ratings of those and reclassification of those as the quality of the, the type of securities that, the, that the, there were, but ultimately it created like leverage on leverage on leverage. And these synthetic derivatives were it piled up so high that when things tipped, once the dominoes fell, the dominoes just raced downhill. And you're saying that essentially the way that FTX leveraged FTT token was very similar to that phenomenon. Yeah, very, very similar. It was misleveraged. It was misused. It was loaned out. It was extrapolated on. And it's very similar to what these bad bets on mortgages were. You know, these bad mortgages were given out and nobody wanted to hold the bag. So they bundled them. So statistically, the good, the ones that did pay up, the ones that were good loans could kind of get the boat over the line. And people were willing to take that diversified risk until eventually the risk over overrode it all. We're going to get regulation strapped on crypto harder than we, we've ever imagined. But it got us to where we are now. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that Ethereum is as battle tested as it is 
you know, Ethereum has gotten eight years of battle tested cycles and journeys and users in a non-regulated environment. And you can never fade that. You can never take that away from me. Absolutely. Ethereum showed a lot of resiliency through this. I mean, frankly, like it barely budged. I can't believe it, dude. I can't believe how little Ethereum was affected by this. Did it go down? Yes, it did. But it's coming back and it's battle tested, like you said. So I guess like the final question I have for you today is, is regulation good or is regulation bad? for our interests in cryptocurrency. It's needed. It's as of this week, you, it's almost criminal to say that it's not needed. It put it, put it in perspective like this in 08, when that mortgage crisis happened, Dodd-Frank got strapped on those, on those mortgage practices and we weren't able to ride as high and fast as we used to. But our housing market today, for other reasons, has recovered. And it's higher than what it was at the peak of 08 when it crashed. So we recovered. And I think regulation has a lot of rationale and logic for to justify that recovery. So though there are loan officers out there and people that run mortgage companies and realtors and developers and general contractors out there that hate the Dodd-Frank regulation because they want to let it rip because they want to have a good month. But we have a rationale to tie to that regulation to say, this is why it won't happen again. We won't say what happened again when it comes to bundling bunk mortgages. And I don't think I am a proponent of regulation so that we don't have to say what happened to a centralized exchange again. I see. I'll, I'll also add that, you know, we, we in NFTs, in crypto, we talk a lot about onboarding. We talk a lot about mass appeal. I'll tell you right now, we're we're far away from mass appeal. If we're operating in an environment where rug pulls are this prevalent and people are losing money and you can't even trust like a centralized exchange like FTX that's being shilled by Tom Brady and the likes. I mean, nobody's going to touch that, dude. Like, yeah, maybe the DGENs will and there'll be some small percentage of the population that are crypto curious that will. But the reality is in order for mass adoption to take place, in order for crypto to really grow to the points that we hope, there has to be some consumer protections. And it does sound to me like regulation is part of that recipe. It sounds inevitable. So my guy, Goodman, any departing words today to leave with our listeners? We covered a lot of ground. Uh, we we, we kind of dug into the timeline of what happened here and brought us to where we're at now. Crypto is down, but not out. Um, any final thoughts? Man, I think that you're going to see crypto companies coming at you with a new tune, and it's going to be fascinating. Coinbase is going to be coming at you with their MPC tech because they're going to keep KYC in their mouths 
and they're going to try to get you on chain to use your KYC to get you on chain. You're going to see Binance getting you on chain. You're going to see all the crypto exchanges trying to get people on chain. It's going to be fascinating as hell. And I think like at the end of the day, if you're taking the time to listen to this podcast and you're taking the time to learn, then someone around you is going to benefit from the lesson of controlling their keys. So all the products out there that are trying to help adoption, this is your time. Key management, one password for crypto keys, rolling crypto keys, rolling that security around those crypto keys. Not everyone's going to go get, you know, get a laser engraver and put their seed phrase on metal and throw it in a safe that it has copies X, you know, elsewhere. Not everyone's going to do that. We have to be practical. There's going to be people who control their keys that go on chain that have poor security around their keys. That's okay. And we got to rock it. We got to ride it. And we got to help them adopt and we got to get them on chain so that it's only our fault this ever happens again. Absolutely. Well put. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you lived through one of like the max capitulation moments in crypto history. Pat yourself on the back if you survived it. We're here for it. We're going to move forward. We're going to try to help break down what's going on in the industry, what's going on at the highest levels of crypto, what's going on with your favorite NFT projects. So never fade the NFT. Fox has a problem with the nostrils. They just got no Never fade the question mark fro. Let's go. With Dexter's chat. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. RP got that heartbeat. Bridge built to the swamp. Now the eights are barking. Picking up bananas like you ever heard a cat laughing. They on time sweeping. What's left? Got a red disease, call it out of weight. Headed down from the treehouse where the floor is, mate. Banging on the door for Ghana to let us in. Wi Fi rotated, new pin, eight bin. Checking the collections in the trace all cop. Homages non stop, the colors all pop. Admiral Code Devil horns don't miss. Yellow BG with the floor skin hits. Let's get it. Hey, pepe, sedex, me know I got more gon' send it. Green